Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. We want to like, 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 just start running around the, man, that was awesome. Uh, I want to catch you guys a little bit up on what's happening here at Hamilton Hills Church. Uh, if you get our uh, emails and our church updates, probably already know a little bit of what's happening. Take you, uh, this, the sermon series that we're starting this week, and it's all underneath the umbrella of summer at Hamilton Hills, but we're starting a sermon series on, uh, on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And so it couldn't be more of a timely series. It couldn't be uh, anything that we see more of God's hand in work here at our church. Last week, uh, see here, we'll rewind all the way till, uh, to Saturday. Saturday was a, an unbelievable day. I think uh, Denise and I went to like four open houses that day. We were like, you know, driving all around, going everywhere. And uh, we were on our way to an open house. And I got a phone call that Pastor Mark's oldest brother had passed away. And, uh, and it really affected Mark very deeply for, for several reasons. And so uh, as I was on my way up that way, there was, of course, talk amongst our, our, our staff of like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, Christian Ferris, Pastor Mark's uh, longtime uh, uh, friend, known him since he was seven years old, had come up that week, wasn't planning to stay Sunday, but was able to change his airfare and actually was able to preach the message last week for Pastor Mark, did an incredible job. It's exactly what our church needed. But while I was on the way to the open house, got there, heard that information. And then while I was at an open house, got the information that I needed to head right up to the hospital and that our chairman of the deacon, Scott Strong, was probably going to pass pretty soon and was not doing well at all. So drove up to the hospital. Pastor Randall and I were there for uh, for a, a long time. In fact, Pastor Randall stayed there the entire night. I left around 9 or 10 p.m. I can't remember exactly. And so, man, we entered into Sunday. And, uh, of course, our team did an incredible job. Uh, Pastor Christian did an incredible job bringing the message. And uh, uh, then, of course, Monday went into staff meetings of like, okay, how are we going to do this? And how are we going to communicate to the church? And uh, funeral arrangements for for uh, uh, Mr. Strong, uh, Scott Strong, our chairman of the deacons. And so all this is kind of going all at once. And then, and then Tuesday's a deacons meeting, and we went just boom, 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 right along the line. And so, man, a lot happened in one week. And so it's just a very timely sermon series that we'd be talking about spiritual warfare. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians in chapter number 6, Ephesians in chapter number 6, I'll do a little bit of a, a classroom time. How many of you know who wrote the book of Ephesians? Go ahead, raise your hand if you know who wrote the book of Ephesians. I'm only going to call on one person. Don't shout out the answer and go out of turn. Aaron? Paul. Very good class. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. And uh, Paul is Paul's one of my favorite writers. He wrote probably, thir- we know at least 12 books of the Bible, uh, probably 13 books of the Bible. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus. So Paul is writing to this church at Ephesus, and it's towards the end of the letter. It's in chapter number 6 is where we'll be and and, and where our text will come from this morning. And he starts off this last part of the letter by saying this, a final word. If you'll look up there on the screen, go ahead and put the, the verse up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. A final word. 
Okay? And so Paul has written a bunch of things up to this point, five other chapters in this letter, and he says, I want to end with this final thought. If you're a parent in here this morning, have you ever had the final word, not husband, not with your wife, obviously, but have you ever had the final word with your kids? Okay, there's like an argument going back and forth, and then all of a sudden you realize, I'm arguing with a five-year-old, I'm arguing with a 13-year-old, what am I doing? And then you're like, okay, all right, I'm going to say one last thing, and this is it. This is the final word, okay? This is the most important. Forget what else was said, what this, what I say right now counts, okay? And Paul says, this is the final word. He's just talked about parenting. He's just talked about church polity. He's talked about all kinds of forgiveness. A bunch of things in this letter that he's written to the church at Ephesus. And then he says, okay, we're going to stop right here. I know I just said a bunch of things that you need to do. But here's the final word. This counts. In other words, if you don't get this, the other stuff isn't going to work. And so Paul writes this. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now I'm going to read a little bit more of the passage, but there's going to be times when I say, would you say this with me? Can you do that with me? I know that it's, it's 9.57 a.m., but can you help me out a little bit this morning? And if I say, hey, let's say a final word. Let's go ahead and practice before we uh, say this with me. A final word. Great. This is going to be awesome. We'll be done here in about 15 minutes. Okay? A final word. Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Verse number 12, for we are, say, not fighting, not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. And by the way, that word evil rulers can be translated to mean evil rulers in high places, not talking about the evil rulers, you know, the, not the person you voted for, okay? Or, or someone, this is talking about uh, in unseen places, in high places, and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on, say it with me, every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the, say, battle, battle, you will be standing firm. You'll be standing firm. How many of you believe this morning that we are in a battle? Okay. How many of you have ever faced a battle in your life before? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah, I've faced a battle before. I will tell you this, that oftentimes, I know for me personally, and I would say that probably the same for the American Christian church, Oftentimes, the battle we think we're facing is not really the battle that we're facing. I would say that oftentimes, I actually like battling. I like sometimes battling. I think sometimes I thrive in chaos a little bit. I know, for one thing, I like to, I like to play softball. That's a battle, right? You know, got to get up and get the best hit I can possibly get and make that diving catch, which I got a great illustration later. You guys are going to love it. Uh, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Uh, I'm refraining from telling it right now, but I like battles. Sometimes I like battles. Sometimes I think, you know, the battle of, 
of learning, and I like reading, and sometimes it's a battle to do things, but I like pushing through. I like uh, going to the gym and working out. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I like winning that battle, and afterwards, I, after I do it, I come back and I go, man, I'm glad I did that. And there's oftentimes battles that we think that we're facing, and we ask God to help us with battles that we think is the real battle, but it's not the real battle that's going on. I would even say that as we face this battle that Paul is talking about, most of us in this culture completely forget or are unaware of what's going on in the unseen world around us. There's plenty of Hollywood movies about it. There's plenty of talk of demons and, 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 and satanic things. And, and Hollywood loves to make movies about those. But can I tell you this morning, according to the word of God, and I have all faith and trust in the word of God, that there is an unseen battle going on around you, even though you live in America. Even though you can't drive out of your uh, driveway and go down to the witch doctor, that there are a bat, there is, I'm sorry, a battle that is a satanic battle for you and your family and your personal walk with Jesus Christ and your relationship with him going on right now. It's happening. We can't see it, but it's happening. Look at that verse again with me. Paul says a final word, be strong in the Lord. Put on the armor of God so that we can stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Can I tell you that this morning? You and I are not fighting against flesh and blood. We oftentimes think that the president is the problem. We think politics are the problem. We think our neighbor is the problem. We think our spouse is the problem. We think our enemy is the problem. We think the person that has bullied us is the problem. We think the other company is the problem. Can I tell you that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? The battle here is not amongst each other or amongst somebody else that goes to a different church or a different church or someone that doesn't go to church or someone in your neighborhood. That is not the battle that is going on. The battle that is taking place right now has nothing to do with the people around you or the people over you. The battle that is taking place according to Paul and according to the word of God is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So now that we know what the battle is and what the battle is not, I, I know that some of us here, we may think that the battle is, is our teenager or our children. You ever battled against your teenager? You ever battled against your children? I'm the only one. <laughs> Last night. It can be tough, yeah. And by the way, we laugh about it, but it can be frustrating. Sometimes us as a spouse, we feel like we'll just give him the silent treatment. That will teach him. Or we'll make him sleep on the couch. That'll teach him. That's not the battle. Can I tell you this morning, your marriage problem is not the battle. 
And oftentimes we fight that battle. But the real battle that's going on is not against your spouse. It's not against your children. It's not against your neighbor. But we can see here that Satan is battling against us. So if Satan's battling against us, you ever thought about this? This is, uh, let me just tell you, the, the memoirs of a pastor's kid who, who didn't get to do anything cool because he had like a bunch of rules. And so I would sit in my room and like think of things. And I know it's really weird, but I used to I would, like, think like, why does Satan hate me so much? Like my dad keeps on getting up and preaching these messages, you know, Satan hates you and the devil's gonna get you. And I'm like, why does he wanna get me? Like, what is it? I never did anything to him. You know, like, I, I'm just me. Like, I just like to do things and have fun. Like, why would he, why would he want, why would he go against me? In Matthew chapter 4, in verse number 10, it's clear that Satan hates when God gets worship. He hates it. Satan wants worship for himself. And you are a design from God. The Bible says that you were designed and made in God's image. And Satan doesn't so much hate you as he hates God. And he hates when God gets worship. So I want you to think of this clear thought as, as, as we move on into the message. I got the three points, you know, traditional three points. And then, and then we'll keep going, okay? But before we get into the, into the three points, let's think of this. Satan wants to battle you because, why? Because you have the potential to give God worship and you were made in the image of God. That means, by the way, if you are desiring worship for yourself... Instead of giving worship to God, that is satanic. That's a tough pill for me to swallow. That means when I like being worshipped, when like, oh man, Matt's awesome. And I go, yeah, you know what? I kind of am. That is not of God. That is not of God of all. In fact, it is satanic. We ought to, and we were designed to, give worship to the most awesome being ever. We were designed to give worship and look in awe and pray to and worship with all of our heart and mind and love with all of our heart and soul, our creator, God. That is what we are designed to do. And when we don't do that, we are acting like the enemy. I don't know why I showed that to you. This is not the enemy. This is my notes. <laughs> we can see here, simply outlined in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 through 13, a strategy on how to defeat the real enemy. And so I'm going to um, do this in your worship guide. You should have a point one, point two, and point three. So if you take out your worship guide, we're going to use that this morning. I'm going to use it in the end here when we get to point three to make a point to you. We're going to go in reverse. So when I give you the first point, I want you to write that into point number three, not point number one. You got that? Is that clear? Do I need to explain? Okay, we're good? Okay. So we're going to start with point number three. And that is this, write this in there, stand firm, stand firm. I don't know if in there it has the parentheses already filled out, but in parentheses, stand firm to resist the enemy or to resist Satan. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Randall, come on up here. 
Pastor Randall uh, and I share offices now. We're really good friends. And so I hope he's not going to hurt me in this illustration. But Pastor Randall, you've been here for about three months, right? About three months. Go ahead and stand over here. We're going to have him stand over here. He is going to represent uh, uh, someone that is standing firm. And he's going to represent you this morning. He's a man of the people. Okay? So he's going to represent you. Cheer for Randall. Okay? All right. I'm going to do my best, I guess, right now to be the enemy. I didn't think this illustration all the way through, so I'm the bad guy. Uh, But when we think of the word stand firm, normally we think of standing tall or or resting in our position or that that person is not going to push me around. The word stand firm comes from a Greek word that is a military term in this passage. And so as Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus, he's making a point to say, you are in a battle. In fact, I'm even going to use the word stand firm, but I'm using it in such a way that goes along with warfare. Standing firm, holding your ground, or I could uh, say this for you football fans, defense, defense. Okay, I thought that was going to go over a little bit better. But it's defense, okay? It's standing firm. So I picked Randall because he's the strongest guy on our staff. And he does he look like a guy that you want to mess with? No, no. In fact, I'm a little nervous right now. I think I look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, Pillsbury Doughboy, yeah. But you'll be able to stand firm. I'm not going to be able to push you around. So when we are, when we are in a battle against the enemy, the enemy is going to come and try to push us off our ground. And so as he comes to attack, normally what we think in the, in, the, in the Christian life is that we've got to be in a battle and we've got to go on the offense. You ever heard, oh, I, want to punch the, I want to punch Satan right in the face. Can I tell you this? If you go try to punch Satan in the face, you're going to lose that war. You're going to lose. We are not built to be powerful on our own to live a victorious life in our own power. God did this. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, and conquered the victorious Christian life for us. See, the battle we think we in our sometime, or that we're in sometimes, we feel like is we've got to be a good Christian. So, man, the battle is getting in the word of God and reading the word of God. And I've got to do it because I've got a battle. I've got a battle. I've got to win. I've got to be a victorious Christian life. And in order for my family to be okay and my kids to be okay, I've got to do all of these things. And, 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 and so I've got to win the battle. I've got to win the battle. And so what we try to do is we try to win the territory that God already won with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we expend all of this energy this spiritual energy and mental energy and even physical energy trying to be a really good christian and we try really hard and what god says and what paul wrote is stop rest and stand firm stand firm to what resist the enemy not defeat the enemy not punch the enemy in the face but to resist the enemy for something that he has already conquered. Thank you, Pastor Randall. For something he has... Give him a hand. Yeah. We need to stand firm and defend the position that Christ has already conquered for us. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. uh, Look up at the screen. We'll have it on the screen for you. It says this, that... 
raised Christ Jesus, or I'm sorry, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any addiction that you have, any problem that you have, any issue that you have, any sin that you have, any child that you have. No matter what you're going through, Jesus Christ is more powerful, far above powerful than that. It's not like, it's not really, can I say, like we say in, 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 in like common layman terms, like the struggle's real, or maybe you're too old for that statement. I'm still kind of young, so I'm cool. And I say that, like, the struggle's real. Actually, probably students are in here, they're like, yeah, that was like 10 years ago. Okay? The str- we can say, like, the struggle's real. Can I tell you this? For God, the struggle ain't real. It ain't a struggle for him. Sometimes we, we sit there and we're like, God, please help us. If, if you can do it, if he can do it, he made everything. In six days, and by the way, the reason why it took him six days to make it, everything is because he decided, I'm going to take six days to do this. He could have done it just like this. God, in his infinite wisdom, designed you exactly the way you are with the issues you have. He knew you were going to go through the problems that you were going to go through. The life is messy that you were going to go through. He knew that you were going to struggle with the struggles, the addictions, the, whatever it was. And he is saying to you this morning, stand firm because I've already conquered it. Stand firm. Stop running around and saying, I got this. I got this, God. He says, no, 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 I got this. You stand exactly where I put you and understand the victory is yours. Now, after you stand firm, he says this, and point number uh, uh, two says this, put on, put on the whole armor of God. So we're still going backwards. The cool thing about three points is point number two is still point number two. It's kind of neat. So this is point number two, put on the whole armor of God. And this might be the most simple and the practical of all points. We don't just have access to the armor of God. We need to put it on. Here's another mistake that we make as Jesus followers and that I make is I have access to the armor of God. And we're going to take the, the rest of the sermon series and go through each armor of God. And so if you look in the verses following that, it'll show you what the armor of God, the belt of truth, okay, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sandals of peace. We'll talk about all of those things specifically in the weeks to come. We have access to those things, but oftentimes we have access, but we don't put them on. In fact, Paul mentions twice in the, uh, the passage in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. He says in verse 11, put on all of God's armor. And then again in verse number 13, he says, therefore, like reminder, put on every piece of God's armor. Paul reminds us twice because he knows that we're very forgetful. I went hunting uh, for the very first time several years ago, six, seven years ago. Actually, the first time I ever went hunting. Any, any of you guys are hunters out there? Okay. Manly men. Okay, four people. And then I saw a woman raise her hand. Sorry, saying manly men. Uh, 
So my, my dad, we grew up in Maine, so we grew up in the great outdoors, and it was my dream not to, I don't really take pleasure in going out there and shooting something, but I like being out in the woods. It's an excuse just to be out in the woods. By the way, I've never shot anything. I've been hunting, I think, like 10 times. I've never actually got anything, but because I'm a peaceful man <laughs> and stuff. So the first time I ever went, the first time I ever went hunting, my dad, uh, I think he was feeling guilty. I was like 17, 18 years old. And so I, I kept on bugging him every year. Like, I want to go hunt. I want to go. I'll go out in the woods and go hunting. And he's like, okay, all right. So finally, he says, we're going to go hunting. I was like, when? He goes, tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Well, don't you have to have a gun? He's like, you got one. I was like, I have a BB gun. And he says, yeah, we're going with a BB gun. I was like, isn't that just going to make the deer mad? Like, <laughs> I think in his, in his mind that he just knew there's no way we're going to see anything. And it was true. So we went out in the woods and we walked around for like three hours. It was horrible. And we went back. So then uh, I, I spent some time in Florida, moved to Arkansas. And in Arkansas, great outdoors, hunting is real big. And I was like, all right, I really like to go, but I don't know where to go. You know, you got public land, but that's not really a great place to go. So I was like, oh, man, how am I going to pull this off? So anyway, to make a long story longer, um, I, uh, I, I got all of this, all of these, uh, uh, I had a friend that said, we're, we're going to go in this one place that I know. I was like, oh, awesome. So we went out there and I went on a shopping spree. I didn't realize how expensive it is to go hunting. It's not worth it. <laughs> so I start buying all of these things and, and I got like the orange hat. I got the call. I got the, you know, the antlers to, you know, rattle around. I got the, uh, uh, the of course, it was just starting hunting season, so it was a little cold. So I remember I got, like, you know, the overalls and the pants and then the, the liners and then the mitts that you can, like, take off so you can, like, have your, your, your fingers free. And then I had warmers that went. And I even had, like, deer pee, you know. And I put it on my clothes. This is disgusting. And, but I was like, I, this may be my only chance. And so I even went, I went out and bought a gun. I did the whole thing. And we go all the way out to this deer camp. And I'm sitting in the, uh, the stand. And as I'm sitting in the stand, um, uh, I, there were two other friends that went with me. And sure enough, along comes a deer. And guess what? I didn't bring the right kind of bullets. So I got to just watch it. <laughs> Covered in deer pee. It was incredible. You know, I had almost every single thing I needed except for the right bullets. And everything. Like, I'm getting a little upset right now thinking about it. I had everything except for the one thing I needed. Did you know that Satan's been around for a long time? And he knows when you're not putting on one of the pieces of armor and he knows exactly where to attack you. And he knows that even though Jesus paid the price and conquered what he needed to conquer so that you could live a victorious life, he knows that unless you put on the armor of God, that you are not safe. And he also knows that here in our culture, we don't really feel like a battle is actually going on or we think the battle is our community and we get on Facebook and we go to our neighborhood page and we make sure all the trash cans are put in the garage and then they're not outside. 
Or neighbor so-and-so has their dog loose again. That one was me. We think that the battle is something that it really isn't. And so not only are we not focusing on the real battle, but we go around saying, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I do good things. I try to help ladies across the street with their groceries. And, and I try to be a really, really, really good person. And we miss the whole entire point. And we have access to the armor of God. And we say, I'm a Christian, so therefore I have access to all of it. And we never put it on. Or we put on the pieces that are comfortable to us. I thought about bringing a football helmet in to like represent like the helmet of salvation to this point. But I don't mind playing football. I don't like putting a helmet on. Have you ever played, how many football players? I know Cam, we got you out there. You played football before. Any other football players? Yeah. It's a lot easier to practice without the helmet on. Why? Because the helmet's uncomfortable. You can run a little bit faster when the helmet is on. But the helmet, even though it's uncomfortable, is still a necessary piece of protection or the armor. So as we go through this sermon series, starting with next week, there isn't one piece that is less important than all the other pieces of armor. We need them all. And then finally, point number one, be strong. And this shouldn't be in parentheses, but it says, in the Lord. I'm, I'm a guy, I love competition. I love it. I crave it. It's like my favorite. Like, even, the, and, and I love listening to, like, good music before, like, I don't listen to worship music before a game. Just letting you know. Like, I listen to, like, straight up, let's go, let's get the job done. Whoa! Like, I love, I love, like, that, the music that they had on, like, summer. You know, and then like coming up, I was like, yeah, I'm ready to preach. Let's go. I love competition. I love being like the other day. I told you I was going to give this illustration. So here it comes. Tom, you know, you were there. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Tom, you know, you were there. I'm already like getting pumped. We had a, a, a softball game at the softball game. Uh, our team, Tom, we were killing them, weren't we? Uh, destroying them. I mean, it was it was awesome. They weren't even coming close. I got up to bat. They do double headers, and it was the, the top of the seventh inning. They were the home team. And so I get up to bat. There's two outs, two men on, and I rope one. I mean, I connect perfectly. It's going to be at least a double. And this guy makes an amazing shoestring catch, just kind of like moves this up, just catches it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. In fact, I had to even, like, tip my hat to him. I was like, wow, it's a really good catch because that was an awesome hit. So obviously it was a good catch. And as we were going out to the field, my adrenaline was running like, we're going to beat them. I mean, I think it was like 24 to 3 because we're the best church. It's church softball, and Hamilton Hills is the best at everything, including, including softball. But we were on our way out to the field. We just needed three outs. And I told uh, the, the person that was playing to the right of me and the person to the left of me, I said, hey, I'm just letting you know, if it's even close, I'm calling you off. I'm going to be on SportsCenter tonight. I'm going to make an amazing catch. And sure enough, two outs later, last out of the game, guy hits it on a rope, and it's like, it's, it's, it's going down, fat, but I was running, I mean, probably 123 miles an hour. <laughs> Dove and made the catch, and I got up, and, and, and 
people were, wanted to put me on their shoulders. And I was like, no, 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 it's not the championship yet. I even told, I told one of the guys, uh, Ty Hill, our student pastor, he walked in and goes, man, that was a good catch. And I looked at him, I was like, I'm really trying to be modest right now. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying not to have like this big smile on my face. I'm trying to like just, just act like I've been there before. And it was really hard. I love being strong. I love competition. I love the battle. But this is not our battle to fight. This is actually where we're supposed to be weak. And as you wrote in point number one, I want you to think of it this way. Normally what we do is we do the opposite. We put the points in the wrong direction. We usually do this. We try to stand firm. The attack of Satan comes. There's a battle in our marriage, a battle at our job, a battle with a relationship that we thought was going to be a good relationship, and now it's turning out to be a bad relationship, and we're wondering what's going on. So we try to stand firm, and then when that fails, we go, oh, man, we're standing firm, so I guess I got to put on the armor of God. Where's my Bible? What's that armor? Didn't they preach a sermon series on that recently? Like, I know there's, like, demons and stuff, and they're probably after. And we try to look for the armor to put the armor on, and then the last thing we do is be strong in the Lord. when it needs to be the other way around, can I tell you that this sermon series is not going to mean anything to you and it won't do you any good unless we get this one thing, to be strong in the Lord. If you're a Jesus follower here this morning, can I tell you something that you already know but that we don't believe? We may believe it, but we don't believe it in our heart because we don't practice it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. We believe that God is a trinity. God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. And God the Spirit sometimes gets last place in our minds. And we don't really believe that dwelling inside of you is God, the fullness of God. We think of God the Father, oh, God the Father, powerful, the creator God. Snap of the fingers, six days, created everything. Oh, man, God is so powerful. And then God's son. Oh, thank thank you for God's son. God sent his son, and without his son, we wouldn't have salvation. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And then we go, oh, and then there's God the Spirit. He lives inside of us. Yeah, God the Spirit lives inside of you, the comforter. The power of God lives inside of you. You say, I believe that. But if we really believed that, don't you think that we would live already in a victorious fashion? And when the things of life happen, when Satan starts attacking our church, which he's doing right now, we don't have to get down in the dumps. We don't have to go, oh my goodness. Oh, I hope God's got this. Oh, boy. No, God does have this. God is in control. God already has won the victory. We need to put the armor on and rest in the fact and be strong in the Lord. Can you throw up that last phrase? I think it's... Go one more. There it is. In order to be strong, we must do this. We must surrender to the fact that we 
are weak. In order for Matt Thistle to be strong in the Lord, I have to realize that it doesn't matter how many accolades I have in church softball, Division Two, by the way. I have, I'm weak. I'm gonna give an illustration. I'm gonna try to be as appropriate as I possibly can. This week was a, was a rough week for our church. There's an obvious attack from the enemy on our church this last week. Pastor Mark needs to step out for a little while, grieve the loss of his brother. And so all this time, okay, all right, Pastor Matt, you got to do this. You're going to be putting this on the schedule. You'll be doing this. You got to delegate this. You got to go over. And I started going into like adrenaline filled mode, right? I got this. Okay, I bring the staff in. I was like, all right, guys, listen, God's got this. I can even see, we can see the hand of God. He brought Christian Ferris for such a time as this, preaching an incredible message. We're seeing the hand of God. And so we have nothing to worry about. And then as it going into a deacon's meeting on Tuesday, I found out that I've got a kidney stone in both kidneys. And as I'm on the way to the deacon's meeting, I'm going, I got to go to the ER after this. What in the world? And I really, I, I promise you, I looked at God as one of the, few times in my life that I've been so frustrated that I looked at God and I said, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Now, how is this going to work? And it was like God, the father said this to me audibly, like three times in my life that I know that God not just spoke to me, like I could hear his voice. He says, well, you've been going around acting like you've got it, telling people that I've got it. I can put you to your knees right now, son. And guess what? Hamilton Hills Church will be fine. And everything will be okay. Because I'm king and I've already won the victory. And I get worship. I get glory. Nobody else does. Can I tell you this morning, church, with all assurance in my heart, with 100% peace, that God has won the victory. Yes, in your personal life and also for our church. We have nothing to fear. Why? Because when we are weak, that's when God goes, thank you. Now I, have t- now I can show you and I can flex. And we can go, wow, God is awesome. Don't you guys want to be a part of a church and something that is so awesome that only God could get the credit for it? Don't you want to be, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of something where it doesn't rely on me or rely on anybody else. It literally is being run by God. I don't want to be a part of normal church. I'm a PK. I grew up in this crap. I've been behind the curtain of church life for so long. Sometimes it's discouraging and I'm like, oh my goodness. Will people just stop being people? One of the things I love about being a part of this church is I get to see the hand of God move every single week. People pass from death to life almost every single week. We have baptism. Did you know most churches go their whole 30-year existence and only see 10 people get baptized? Next week, we get to see four. 
We just saw eight a couple weeks ago. That is incredible. That's not because Hamilton Church is awesome. That's because our God is awesome. Yeah, give God some, give God some glory. Let's- well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.